Welcome to this special, uh, as we record this Saturday edition of the MacabCast podcast that we've been doing. Depending on when you listen to this, this I think this is episode number three. I am sitting in front of my computer here, and it is uh, morning. On uh, where, what, what time is it for you? Uh, it is 11 a.m. in Chicago, so not as early as for you. We have a special guest, and so uh, who is coming from a, a totally different time zone. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us uh, where you're coming in from? Sure. So this is uh, Alistair from London. You probably uh, met me in Vegas at some point uh, over the past few years, and it is just after five o'clock in the afternoon here. It's dark and it's raining. Oh no! Well, that sounds like London. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you you might have met Alistair as uh, very short, uh, and that's his most distinguishing physical characteristic, and so uh, that's how I always remember him. <laughs> I just remember when he calls me a munchkin or something. It's like, you know. hobbits. Uh, I should hobbits. say uh, er, uh, hobbits, that's right, not munchkins, that's, cr- that's right, hobbits, of course, uh, that makes sense. Uh, I should say that Eric is not here today Correct. because uh, he was un- unavailable for uh, this recording. Yep, no, thanks for mentioning that, so yeah. Uh, didn't line up. Uh, we have not kicked Eric off the show or anything like that. Uh, he'll he'll be back uh, next time for sure. Um, just had we wanted to get Alistair on because he's got um, some interesting perspective that we're going to talk about in a minute. And with the time zone difference, the logistics get a little complicated. So um, this is where we ended up. So Eric gracefully uh, said, "Go ahead without me," and here we are. Um, so I guess why don't we start, uh, Alistair, with a little bit about your background as it relates to Macau. I know you've been um, it least twice and maybe more i've like i like i was saying before we started recording i've lost track a little bit um but i know you've been multiple times so why don't you tell folks a little bit about um a sort of high level on the trips that you've taken and i guess maybe to lead into that why did you go in the first place it's quite a long ways from uh, from london Sure. Uh, I mean, essentially, it was you guys that inspired me. So the whole 88 Days to Macau, and it just sounded such an an amazing place to visit. Um, So my first trip was back in March 2017. I did like a whopping 16 nights to try and get the whole lot in. Uh, So it's really... Wow. Yeah, (laughs) totally worth it. Incredible. So three nights at the Mandarin Orient... Three nights at the Mandarin Oriental. Then I moved to Studio City for three nights. Two nights at the Ritz-Carlton, three nights at Wind Palace, uh, two nights at the Sheraton to save a bit of money, and then back to uh, Wind Macau on the peninsula for a final three nights. So real real whirlwind on that uh, first trip. And then the second trip, I did just an eight night, which was back in March this year. Uh, again, so two nights at Studio City, two nights at the Banyan Tree, two nights at Countdown, and then two nights back at Wind Macau on the peninsula. So covered all those bases. Wow. Um, that is, uh, quite a bit there all over the place. Um, I feel like I should start collecting royalties. I think, uh, they're not the first person that has said that, uh, they heard our original podcast run back in 2016 and decided to go on a trip to Macau. So I feel like someone owes me something. Uh, <laughs> gratitude mainly. <laughs> Alistair, uh, for your first trip, you, I think you had just left your job and that this was like, like F you, I'm going to Macau kind of. Was it was there, or yes. a celebration or something like this? It, it was. I think, as I say, it, from the information that you were giving, it said, like, this is the time to go to Macau. The prices are coming down. You know, all these hotels are an amazing bargain, and it just fit perfectly into my schedule. So it just kind of, I just sort of went all in, <laughs> essentially, uh, and incredible. But it was a real, real culture shock, I think, for the first week. So, I mean, Eric is just going to have the wildest time of his life, I think, going out there. I think it's just going to blow his mind. I think so too. I mean, it is uh, it is very different, as we've talked about um, in a lot of different uh, variations of this conversation. It is it is different. I think super fascinating and interesting, and I will be very interested to see how um, how what he likes and doesn't like about it. Um, so I guess let's just let's just dive into some of the some of the specifics because. Um, one of the things that I recall from following along with your trip. Uh, on Twitter is, uh, you know, you like to seek out some fun, interesting, nice restaurants and get some food and then also uh, hang out in some of the bars and um, other spots that are maybe less popular with some of the other tourists there, but certainly I have some interest in. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, some of your dining experiences? I don't know if there's um, anything that's particularly notable, uh, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about 
even you know some of the specific places, uh, what was great, what was maybe unexpected or disappointing, or just anything that sounds like it might be useful. I think the, the the best. I think that's probably the most the outstanding part of of the trip was the the diversity of food choices. So many places and everything in the world. You and if you go all to, all to the if you go to the casino websites, everything is nicely broken down into either you know, northern Chinese food, southern Chinese food, international, western, Macanese. So it it does give you a good uh, level of okay what. Being able to browse and pick a restaurant that you actually love. So, I mean, the top one for the first trip. So, the first place I actually went to was the the Robuchon restaurant uh, at the top of uh, was it Robuchon Odome uh, on the on the peninsula, yeah. which was just incredible. Um, Grand Lisboa. The Grand Lisboa. Yep. Go at lunchtime because you know they serve the same food at lunchtime as they do at dinner, but it's about half the price if you do the set set menu at lunchtime. And I think it's one of the only. Robuchon restaurants anywhere that's open at lunchtime so it was well worth it and that was just you know the food level again incredible get to speak to the chef the chef comes out at the end of the meal and again incredible service I, I think the, the my the most memorable part of the of that trip was purely I was speaking to the chef I'd ordered a coffee at the end of the meal just to finish off and the chef came out and was talking to the tables and was having a little chat with him and the you know the waiters came back and said, "Oh well, we saw you were talking to the chef, so your coffee has gone cold. So we're just going to make you a fresh one now, just so it's nice and hot for you to bring back to the table." So it was mind blowing the level of service you'd get. You'd get there, think, "Oh no, the coffee is not going to be quite hot enough because you've been talking to the chef for a few minutes." <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of, oh my goodness, wow! And there were so many. I mean, that was I think the the main thing that blew my mind about Macau was the service level in those those hotels and restaurants. That it was above and beyond anything I'd experienced anywhere in the world, essentially. So th- that really kind of made it. Now, so, Alistair, uh, you, you've spent some time in, in like fancy restaurants in Europe, too, or I, I assume in the UK and on the continent. I mean, you're, you're saying even it blows the standards away, even uh, in those uh, settings? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's just if you, again, I've, my, my fine dining experience is really sort of driven by a lot of places I've been to in, in you know Las Vegas. So you know the, the Guy Savoir and the Mansion Robuchon there, and it's it is world class food and then some. And then even if you take a step down in some of the restaurants, you know the quality across the board is incredibly high for all those places. And again, you get a good mix of you know high end casual, you know fast casual, and lots of buffets. It is a great choice out there, but I don't think there's anything I was ever really disappointed by or thought was was bad. Everything was really, really good. So, as, as a food destination, I would definitely recommend it because you have literally have the world on the plate uh, there for you in Macau. It's funny we've been talking about service stuff. We talked about it. Um, I've lost track of which episodes, which now we. On, I know on the as currently unpublished second episode, we were talking about service as it as it compares to Las Vegas and other parts of the world. Um, and then it was funny, I was reading an article uh, in, I don't know, Macau Daily News or one of those papers were basically saying, I guess someone had done a, a service survey. And this was casino workers, not restaurant workers, but I guess service levels are down in Macau, according to the survey. Or it was it was kind of funny because it was like, there are less smiles per capita or something like that. It was just this kind of strange metric. But um, I thought it was kind of interesting. I'll be really curious to see if there's anything to that or if it's just, you know, if those metrics track with experience at all. Because I don't, I haven't, I don't know if this particular survey is uh, in any way robust or worth listening to or looking at. But, you know, they're claiming that um, sort of service levels are down according to their numbers. How will that be reflected, if at all? Uh, don't know what to expect there. Maybe absolutely nothing, but I'll just be curious to see. Hunter, yeah. I read that article, and I, I it it seemed kind of, I don't know, it seemed suspect to me. Yeah. Or, I mean, it just seemed kind of like uh, nitpicky. Uh, I, I think the service level will still be quite high relative to what we're used to. So, you know, I don't know. I I'm taking all that stuff with a grain of salt, and I guess we'll see for sure. When we're I'm, I'm definitely not concerned in any way. Uh, I just think it's a, an interesting data point. Yeah, I agree. The um, I like I said, I have no idea about the uh, the quality <laughs> of the and the rigor of the uh, data there, but uh, I thought it was interesting to note. Yeah, because you have that Smile Worldwide index out there somewhere. <laughs> you know. But it was, I think, in the casino. I think I didn't get as much 
servicing the casino as, say, the, the restaurants, I think there's a, a distinct difference. Because I think every time you walk through a casino, if you looked at an empty you know, gaming table, the dealer would have to like smile at you, wave their hand across the table to sort of invite you to say, this is free and available, and you know, and that kind of interaction. And I think it's just on a different level in the restaurants and, and the hotels. I can't see them. I mean, that would be a huge drop if the service has gone from sensational to kind of average. I would be incredibly surprised if that if, if you'd find that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned Roubichon, Roubichon. I'm always pronouncing this stuff wrong, but the restaurant that is on top of the Grand Lisboa. Um, maybe we go, since there are so many different places, maybe we go a little bit sort of area by area. So that's in the peninsula area of Macau. Were there any other places, any other restaurants or dining experiences in uh, that part of Macau that were notable, whether it's either just an interesting story or something where you know you think that folks should really consider checking something out that you really enjoyed yeah i think on the on the peninsula i tend to play it safe um i did stick mainly within the casinos so on the peninsula you've really only really got sort of mgm uh, and uh, win in those places so things you go to rosso for breakfast at mgm there's a really good buffet there uh was it teatro at win it's a really mm-hmm, yeah. good italian so that that is incredible and then i did the you know the cafe esplanade cafe encore for a mix of food because again they have a good mixture of some Chinese some Macanese some Western so you can kind of take your pick on those so they were really good solid choices um, again the, the fantastic survey service I had at the uh, Wind Cafe was that I had ordered a cup of tea I sort of drunk it put my milk in it stirred it finished the first cup the, the waitress came back you know refilled my cup refilled my tea put some milk in it and also stirred it so i've never had anybody mm. stir my tea in a restaurant before <laughs> i think only in macau wow amazing so yeah i think also you know the, the thing the safe choice is really to go within the with the casinos itself um wondering i mean there's so many things to see around the peninsula so it's a great place to wander but i was still a little hesitant on going kind of off off the reservation to a certain extent from the for the casinos to kind of places to eat i don't blame you there i mean i'm not saying that there aren't amazing places all throughout there very well may be not speak not uh understanding reading speaking any of chinese at all also i feel a little bit like i don't know what i'm getting myself into in some of the circumstances and so i would i would maybe need a, a local guide to to make me feel more comfortable Hey, Alistair, on, on your way up to the St. Paul's Ruins, I assume you went there. Of course. Did you check out any of those pork jerky stalls? And if so, like, did you find that kind of weird? Like, Or were you afraid maybe or concerned at all about trying that stuff? I didn't. I obviously saw the, the, the huge sheets of, of, of jerky, but I thought, mm, no, <laughs> I'll walk on by. I'm not quite sure I'm ready for that. Did you do that, huh? I did do that. I did. And it was fine. I didn't, I didn't get sick or anything. I, I think in general, like street food in Macau, I'm I'm okay with like unlike say in Bangkok or something. You know, you, you're maybe um, actually really gambling in in that <laughs> in that sense. I, but I remember you and uh, Chuck were quite excited about doing this, and I assume you did uh, tried it or or not. I did. I was actually more of like the I'm not so sure this is a good idea. And uh, Chuck wrote, wrote me into it and basically said, you're crazy for not trying this. And so I ended up trying it and it was it was good. It was fine. I was fine. So it was I, nothing to worry about. But yeah, it, it was OK for me. I was a little too sweet for me, kind of too candy like, um, which is not what I'm thinking in my brain that like jerky is going to be. But, you know, I think it's definitely worth trying. One of the things, and we'll, we'll definitely have a chance to talk about a kotai here in a minute because there's quite a bit there, but I'm just wondering sort of lounge, bar and lounge stuff on the peninsula doesn't seem to be a huge emphasis of many of the, the mainline tourists, but there are bars and lounges that you can go visit. Wynn especially has at least two that I can think of and other places do too. Did you visit any of these establishments and uh, any thoughts? Yes. Yeah, so what I tend to do is usually have like a, a, a breakfast buffet in the morning, maybe a sort of nibble at lunchtime or in the evenings would go just to a bar and do the drinks because they always bring you drinks and nibbles. And then they usually have like a side ordering menu as well. So things so MGM, they have the the, the ABA bar, which is uh, I think it's more like a port based cocktail 
lounge next to their Oboe's Arts uh, restaurant. But again, they have kind of side orders and uh, to go with it. So it's good to kind of like snack and nibble, you know, as you go through the cocktail places. When I say you've got like your Cinnabar and Bar Cristal are very good as well. So you, get your, you can get your Sinatra smash at either of those places. The Mandarin Oriental has the Bar Vida Rica, which is really good as well. They have a good food menu as well as the drink. So it's a, it's a good combination if you just want to have a little, little socialize in, in the evening there. So the only kind of the out of the way one was the Sky 21, which is at the top of the, uh, was it the I think it's the AIA Tower, which is like a, a nondescript office building. But they have a, a rooftop sort of bar and nightclub where you get views over the, the lake and across to the to the peninsula. So that was the only kind of non-standard place that I went to, but all, all really good to kind of, you know, good, good, good experience there. It was interesting, and I'm curious to see how this compares to your experience. Staying at Wynn, visited the Cinnabar and also Bar Cristal and Encore multiple times, and it was not uncommon for me to be the only person in there. That happened more than once. Not that it was never there. Was, not that there was never anyone else, but even if there was, it was you know two or three people, never crowded. What was your experience like? Exactly the same. You would find you were the only. I mean, I had a did a sort of a cocktail bar crawl across Kotai and in every single place I was the only person <laughs> in the bar half the time but uh, speaking I think speaking with the, the the barman what they're saying is that culturally saying the Chinese don't like to just have a drink they want to have f- food and a drink so they will drink with dinner but it's not in the the mindset currently for them to just to go to a bar to drink and I think that's they're trying to change that perception of you know come to the the, the cocktail bar and have something as a standalone so whether there's something like a cultural edge to it I mean the only the only places I found really full where you you know full of expats so on on the Kota, on Kotai if you go to the you know the the St Regent's bar it's just full of you know Australians and Irish people it's very you know heavily heavily western in, in most of the places just out of curiosity, did you visit the Sands in on the peninsula, and did you check out any of the restaurants there? I mean, I know that you know Hunter and Chuck and John had that fantastic steak dinner at I forgot what steakhouse at the, the Sands. Copa. Yeah, the Copa. Yeah. Did you happen to hang out over there or check out anything like near the Fisherman's Wharf that might be of interest for uh, dining? I generally just kind of wandered around that area, but I didn't stop to eat anything. So uh, it's just more the experience of having a look look around there. So, but I tended to sort of eat at, uh, you know, Wynn and Mandarin Oriental and MGM in the evenings rather than uh, those places. I think Sands was just very much looking at the, you know, the all the interesting games they have there compared to it to everywhere else that was a uh, that's i think that's where the, the fantan was that's where i found the fantan so across the bridge over the river and through the woods is the kotai strip area where there's all kinds of major huge casino complexes as i think anyone listening to this probably knows with quite a few different dining and beverage type options so i guess similarly to Peninsula stuff. Any experiences in particular? I mean, I think people are interested in any kind of interesting stories, but also if they're thinking about going there, how they compare to other places they maybe have been in Las Vegas. If there's specific interesting cuisine or just anything that you know might be notable. I think I mean Kota. You you are. I think it's it's a safe environment because everything is within a casino practically. Um, so the, the first probably want to talk about would be the the thirty eight lounge at the, old, the top of the Altera. In, in Taipa, which is obviously stand standalone by itself, but just to be able to go to the the rooftop bar, you know, and have a look back across and see that you know the see the lights of China and also see the lights of the peninsula, it's quite a quite a nice little place to sort of hang out. So it's definitely worth it uh, worth a trip just to sort of experience a bit of Taipa whilst you're up there. Obviously, using one of the casino buses. Yeah, no, that's a great one that I sometimes forget about. But I did visit Altira, and we did have an opportunity to go up stairs and they do have a very cool sort of open air top bar area there that was got amazing views han did you visit altira i did visit altira i didn't go upstairs because uh it wasn't open uh i can't remember what time of i think it was like earlier in the morning and uh, i just played some baccarat in there uh it's actually a pretty tiny casino and i don't know i just didn't have a lot of time it was like at the very end it was like one of the last things i did on my first trip and then uh i had to you know Get, get on a bus or a taxi back to Galaxy, and, and then, you know, we left. But I definitely want to return to Altira. Like, I want to actually 
explore that hotel like inside out um you guys i assume kind of wandered all over inside there a bit so i kind of was a little underwhelmed to be perfectly honest i i really liked the um bar area it's got an amazing view but i was coming into it with the perspective of when chuck did his original trip and wrote about when it was then crown um i think it was like the highlight of his trip and he had, you know, just incredible things to say about it. And so coming back and seeing it again, seeing it for the, me for the first time, it was kind of quiet and big parts of the casino were closed off. And it just, it seemed like it had very much been passed over for the crown that was then part of City of Dreams. So it, I was not, I wouldn't say disappointed, but just like, oh, this is it. I mean, there is a cool, you know, the lobby's way up on the whatever floor. And yeah. again, great, amazing views and beautiful property, but it felt a little bit like that it had been passed over. Would either of one of you stay at, at, at that property? I don't think so. What about, what about you, Alistair? It would have to be, if I once I'd done other places, it would be probably maybe like a one-nighter just to have the experience because I think, you know, you know again, chatting to the people at the bar saying, you know, you need to sort of stay here and, you know, just enjoy the view and just be, you know, it's a good place to, as, as an experience. So they're still trying to hang on to that quality i think as their you know like a premium property that they're still very proud of what the you know what the product is there but again it's difficult to kind of pull people there if they've now got what they're building on the the, the main strip now, i i asked that only because i'm mildly curious about it and also um there's that new macau roosevelt which i believe is also kind of nearby i'm not sure so it's near the race course uh the horse race course and and but I just feel like well those places are just, well, just like too isolated from all the other like uh, casinos and so I'm probably gonna pass but they have some very good rates you know very attractive rates especially the Roosevelt so I mean it's a beautiful building and it was definitely designed to be you know a, a high end property but it's a little bit yeah as you said a little bit too out of the way for for me personally and I can't remember if light rail will help with that particular situation or not. Um, not open yet, but uh, whenever it does open, if that'll be if that'll be improved. So I don't know. Let's talk about Kotai proper. So Wind Palace, you stayed there. You, I presume you ate there, Alistair. What did you like? What did you dislike about Wind Palace? I'm sure, you know, that's one of the properties that a lot of the, the, the listener folk are interested in. Sure. I, I mean, I absolutely, I loved Wind Palace. I thought it was incredible. Things to love, again, the, the Fontana buffet in the morning is probably the best breakfast buffet I've ever had anywhere, I think. It's just, you know, incredible. I think you've, you've had the buffet as well in the morning. Yeah, I, I totally, I agree. Quite good, quite good. And uh, obviously the SW Steakhouse with the montages that come on every half an hour, the uh, the, the gorilla with the banana and the, the spaceman and the donkey and all that kind of stuff was just <laughs> completely wacky. Yeah, uh, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, it, it is just, it is so bizarre and strange. And I just think you got to see it to really understand it just because it is kind of so out there. But really, a really good steakhouse. So it, it did, it does live up to the, you know, the, the food side of things as well. Um, what else? The 99 noodles in the casino is, is pretty good for like a little, you know, for a cheap eat kind of snack. And also the Hanimar new, uh, ramen place, if you just get their signature dish, was was really good too. So I think, you know, when when had an uh, you know Pal- when Pass had an awful lot going for it, and obviously then you have the uh, little wing lay bar, which again you probably get mostly to yourself. You know, wing, the wing lay bar in particular is very small, and there were many times when it was just a few of us in there. But I actually did see some other folks in there from time to time as well. And I've you know, also looked at pictures and I have seen photographic evidence that there are sometimes people in that bar. So <laughs> it does get used sometimes. I think when I walked in, some people walked out. So I was like, oh, good. At least I'm not the only person using this bar. So it made me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair, I just I want to ask you, though, like, are you are you especially biased toward uh, Wind Palace? Because I believe you had quite a uh, blackjack run there. Well, yes. I mean, that's that's probably my deep and you know the best blackjack run I've had in my life uh, happened at Wind Palace. So yes, I'm probably slightly biased on that front. So to win, I was I suppose it was nearly sort of two thousand pounds was I, I came up with. So that's how I bought my new iPad that I've had for a while now. But it was just I I just couldn't lose. You know, all my all my splits worked, all my double downs worked, and I could just kind of was just slowly increasing my bet up. And it, it, as soon as they had like a big pile of chips and I lost a hand, it's like, okay, right, let's cash in, let's run away. But yeah, that was just incredible. There are a few 
new restaurants at Wind Palace that were not there the last time I was there that I'm curious about. They've got the Buns and Bubbles, and then there's the Palace Cafe in Pronto. I guess, so I guess the Starbucks is gone and is now like a fast, casual Italian place. And then, you know, they've, I think they moved around in the casino area, moved around uh, Red 8 because I think the uh, initial version of it, I guess, was just too small for what the the amount of business that they ended up doing. Um, so I'll be interested to see what these new places are like. They all seem sort of smaller in scope, I guess, is one way to put it, than, you know, the bigger restaurants. But it'll be interesting to see what the new places are like and if they're, you know, notable in any way. Yeah, I'm curious about that, too. I uh, actually did like that little Starbucks. It was like the most luxurious Starbucks I've ever, I've ever been in. So <laughs> uh, too bad it's gone. But, you know, things change. Moving on from Wind Palace, I don't know how much eating around you did at, at City of Dreams or in Sands Cotai Central or Venetian Complex area or Galaxy, but, you know, yeah. take us through some of the other the great stuff. Sure. City of Dreams was... I didn't really eat too much. I think it was... There's nothing really too appealing. Mainly Galaxy was probably one of my favorite places to eat. I mean, Galaxy as a, as a whole, I think of, of all the places, Galaxy was my favorite place in Macau. It was just kind of mind-blowing being there. But the there's, there's a good Italian, uh, was it Portofino at the Venetian, which was really good. I enjoyed that one. But I'd say for, for Galaxy, you had, there's a, a Macanese restaurant called Gosto, which is like fast casual. So it's, 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 it's more of a... You know, more of a more of a casual dining place, but it had lots of you know, you know macanese and Portuguese dishes. So if you want to kind of try something out of the ordinary that you probably won't get anywhere else other than Macau, then then Gosto is a, is a really good choice. Um, there's also was it was it Lahin at the top of uh, the Ritz Carlton do a really good set lunch. So it's about a five or six course meal at lunchtime. You know, Chinese uh, definitely worth worth a trip for that one. What makes it special, though? I mean, I, you say it's Chinese, but, you know, like, there must be something that makes it a Michelin-starred restaurant. Like, what is it about it? I think it's, it's the, I mean, the variety and the flavors, uh, you know, and the textures. It's just, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to describe too much. But I think if you, if you, if it's very, it's just very tasty food, very, very flavorful and just different from your local Chinese, as it were. So it's not, you know, so it's it just has a little extra edge, but it was... Again, you're not paying too much. I think for the the, the set lunch is about four, was it 400 mop uh, at lunchtime, so it's it's pretty reasonable for for what you get. You just touched on something that I think is an interesting sort of subtopic, which is the prices for stuff, which I think you referenced at least a little bit with recommendation of going to Robichon for um, lunch instead of dinner. But generally speaking, how did you find prices to compare to what you might be used to for, you know, whatever the equivalent experience might be in, in Vegas, for instance? It's a, a lot cheaper. I mean, for, for me personally, the, the, you know, the pound floats against the, you know, the Hong Kong dollar, whereas obviously the, the US dollar is fixed. So depending on the exchange rates, I think the first trip I was getting about, it was sort of like nine and a half uh, Hong Kong dollars to the pound, and the second trip was eleven. So the prices, you know, on the second trip kind of came down versus versus the first trip. But uh, I mean, cocktails are half what you'd pay in Vegas, and then especially if you go to some of the happy hours, you can get some ridiculously you know cheap deals on very good quality drinks. And food wise, you I think you're paying probably like thirty to forty percent less than you'd pay in Vegas from from my experience. Yeah, I think that sounds generally right based on my experience as well. I mean, I was con- consistently surprised and happy happily surprised that things seemed to be um, relatively inexpensive and you know yeah drinks especially it's not hard at all to uh, have a 14 15 16 dollar cocktail in vegas anywhere on the strip especially these days and to have something be you know significantly less than that was welcome are there any websites or resources out there that kind of aggregate all the happy hours or, you know, lunch specials or anything out there? Or, or is this just purely on your research going from website to website? Yeah, not that I've seen. I just kind of trawl the websites. I just go through from property to property. Again, if you look at the, I mean, if you look at the Galaxy website, you know, there are so many places you know, that, you've got to, that you can filter through. I mean, the, the choice is just you know, beyond anywhere else you, you can get. So I generally would just go from casino property to casino property website and just check through and see what they've got. Also sort of staying in a lot of the places you'll you'll see, you know, posters. I think the Bellon one at uh, Banyan Tree is, is a like a happy hour from four to, it's like five to nine every evening. And for about, was it 200 mop, you can unlimited drinks and tapas, which is just, you know, if you, you, if you, you, can, you can drink for four hours on, you know, next to nothing. 
Can I, can I ask you a, a particular restaurant in, in uh, Galaxy? There's a restaurant called Eight and a Half Auto E Mezzo, mm-hmm. something yep. like this. Did you, did you happen to try that one? I was going to, but I was just wasn't hungry enough, so I cancelled that one. But that was on my list uh, list to do. So I think on the next trip, uh, it will, will be on the list. But I would say, I think for the for the rest of them, I mean, my favourite place in, in Galaxy is if you, you've obviously been to the Macallan Bar, yes, which has the world's greatest happy hour. It's you know you you get the percentage discount. You know the drink the drinks are cheap anyway, and then you get a discount based on your age. So I was getting almost like half price drinks for that entire thing. So you could just it was unbelievable <laughs> really just go through the entire menu i love that place and I, I can't wait to go back the i've only only got to visit it once and it was i think the very last day of the trip and if i had i knew it was there and i just sort of never got to it until the very end i think if i had discovered it a little bit earlier I probably would have made an effort to go probably more than once even because it was a, a really cool spot yeah absolutely so that's definitely my favorite place i think that if the probably my number one rep recommendation for a bar in in uh, macau would be the macallan bar at the galaxy yeah because then you can obviously after you've had drinks you can go out onto the pool deck and watch the the light show uh, <laughs> which is uh, lots of fun because they don't check your sort of id they don't check id or, or hotel key after the kind of the pool complex closes in the evening so you get like free rain upstairs if you if you want to anything else at galaxy i feel like i personally i sort of underexplored galaxy I never got a chance to stay there due, due to a uh, malfunction. And so I was, I was, I visited, but I, I didn't really get to go through it as much as I might like to and hopefully rectify that this time. But anything else as far as Galaxy goes, the various hotels or, um, you know, any other food thing, anything else that might be interesting for folks? So Galaxy, again, I, I had the, ate at the, the, the noodle place. So there's a, I think, where was it? I think it's called the noodle, the noodle kitchen again, which was really good. The one mistake I did make was going to the, was it the Hong Kong gold medal <laughs> restaurant, which is where you sort of cook your own, you, you cook your own food in a, in a like boiling oil and stuff. And to go as a solo diner, you just, you, it doesn't work because you have to order too much food in order to kind of cook it and, and do it that way. So it needs a group of you to go order a lot of things and just sort of cook it at your table in this sort of boiling oil. So that was the only thing I kind of uh, got wrong uh, when I was at uh, Galaxy. But I've stayed at two of the properties there. So I've both done the Banyan Tree, which you have the, the pool in your room, which is which is quite the experience, which you can just kind of float around and look, look out the window. <laughs> uh, and then obviously the pinnacle of hotel experience is staying at the Ritz-Carlton for two nights, which was just the most surreal experience I think probably I've ever had in my life. So talk about that a little bit more because I didn't stay, but visited and was very impressed. I mean, it's just a gorgeous gorgeous spot up there on the, the lobby on the top floor and the lounge up there was quite cool too but what what was the experience like i think it, it starts from when you just sort of start to check in so you, you enter on the, the the ground floor you know the the bellman will take your bag you know they find out who you are they put you in the lift and it is a lift because they speak english not american over there which is another bonus for the uh, english people <laughs> so when you get to the top of the lift they then greet you by name so take you into the into the reception. You know, take all the details down. Make sure everything's fine. They escort you to the room, and just the wow factor of walking into that you know a high floor room at Galaxy and looking over the pool deck, being able to see the peninsula, being able to see across into China was just absolutely you know was so was just breathtaking. You know, it just really takes your breath away with what you know what the rooms are like and, and the view outside it. It's a real wow factor, and. From then on in, it was just I suppose it's a helicopter service that anything you wanted, they'll be. Your, your every whim will be where you're going how can we help you what, you know is it breakfast well breakfast is up here and do you want a newspaper and the housekeeping was exceptional you'd find all these notes left around your room at certain points and things like i see you've left your shoes out here's a shoe rack for you and i see your ipad doesn't have a cloth so here's a, a, a cloth for the, your ipad and this kind of stuff wow and they would bring in, you know, you'd say, well, what's your you know, purpose of being here? So I'm just here for sightseeing and just sort of enjoying and relaxing. And they bring you an itinerary of things to do in the local area and directions and things to see. But it was just unreal. Uh, I mean, again, the beds were amazing. You know, the, the bathroom's incredible. And it, the whole, you know, the whole full f- multifunction toilet, and the, you know, the whole shebang. But just... Uh, incredible so on the on the way out so I had uh, lunch at Lahine on the way out and they let me sort of check out from from the restaurant 
and I was met by then someone to walk me downstairs to take me to Wynn because I was going to Wynn Palace afterwards so they said okay we'll arrange a car for you don't worry about it we'll put your stuff in the in the car and we'll, we'll take it that way so I'm escorted out from the restaurant then past the hotel manager they take you down in the, the lift to the, the bottom area and by the time I got to the bottom there's like four people all sort of lined up you know, waiting to say goodbye to me and they all thank you very much for your you know for staying here we've, we've just got your little presents and so they handed me this bag <laughs> with something in it so as I you know get into the car and there's a whole kind of procession of people following me and they all kind of wave me off in the in the in, in, in the limo and I open up the bag and it's a a monogrammed towel a Ritz Carlton towel with my name on it wow which is like <laughs> which has been embroidered in there I'm just like this is the nicest gift I've ever had from anybody <laughs> <laughs> wow so it was <laughs> it was quite insane so then of course arriving at uh, you know uh, Wind, Wind Palace they always think I'm some big deal in this limo so I'm getting I'm whisked straight into VIP services at uh, Wind Palace for the whole kind of you know the treatment uh, of the wind cellar thing but it was just you know it was just kind of a surreal uh, uh, surreal is the only way I could really ex- describe staying at the Ritz Carlton and I would sort of do it again in a heartbeat when I've saved my pennies to go back again yeah I mean that you know I guess every once in a blue moon you can uh, maybe find uh, a reasonable-ish rate but it you know it's usually I think pro- typically the most expensive place that you can stay in Macau and I think it's it's worth as an, as an experience I think as something as a yeah. maybe once or twice in a lifetime just to experience it oh i have to sorry the other thing i have to talk about is the pool as well mm. so <laughs> down at they have their own little pool area so every the the galaxy pool deck is all divided into like a, sort of like a central pool area with the with a log with the, you know the central kind of lazy river uh, in the middle and each of the hotels there have their own little pool section so when you go down to the the Ritz Carlton pool they you know they set out your towel free and everything and they bring you a bottle of water and they bring you a, a, a mister and they bring you you know a, a bottle of a sunscreen as well and when I sort of had gone to the pool gone for a swim and as I'm coming out of the pool there is one of the attendants holding up a towel for me to kind of dry me off as I'm coming out of the pool so <laughs> it's just so wacky but uh, it was just like, where am I? <laughs> what am I doing here? So it's that kind of level of service you're getting if you go to Ritz Carlton, which is just nothing I'd ever experienced in my life before. So, Alistair, have you ever stayed in any Ritz Carlton anywhere else in the world? Uh, no, that's the first time. Okay. I mean, I'm only asking because I'm just like, I am curious for myself. I got to stay at the Ritz Carlton in Macau too, but I, I just was like, is this something that's worldwide or just in Macau? And I had a feeling it's like special to Macau, but I, I don't, I have nothing, I have no way to verify this. Yeah. You know? uh, again, compared to the other other places, I would say, you know, staying at, you know, Wind Palace, Wind, Mandarin Oriental, when you hit those kind of high stratas of hotel, the, 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 the level of service seems super crazy high. I don't think I've ever stayed in a Ritz Carlton, so I can't anything compare. But it would be interesting to hear from anybody else that has visited a Ritz Carlton in some other part of the world if if this is uh, par for the course for them, or if this sounds like uh, something that's a little bit above and beyond. Because it sounds sounds quite nice, I must say. I just absolutely, I think Galaxy was just probably my favorite favorite resort uh, uh, being out there. I'm glad you mentioned the pool because the pool at Galaxy is notable, but there are pools all over the place. And this is another one of those amenities that seems, at least in my, in, in what I saw, the Galaxy pool maybe uh, as an outlier because it's such an event kind of notable spot. But the other pools that I saw, I don't think I saw anyone in them ever, except for Mike E at the, in the pool at uh, Wynn. I mean, I, that's exaggerating a little bit, but they didn't seem to be used all that much. I know you posted some photos from various pools. What was your pool experience like? Are they busy? Are they nicely set up? I mean, would you would you recommend people check them out? Definitely. I think, again, the weather is always a strange one. I got lucky at the day uh, at Galaxy because they had some good sunshine, but you can get that misty, warm, humid type of days. So it's, the pool stuff isn't so great uh, unless you go out there after in the evening. So I think definitely, Hano, so definitely recommend you go to the countdown pool after dark because if it's on a warm, pleasant evening, just floating around the pool, looking at everything around the, you know, the, the, the Kotai Strip is, is something else. And you'll probably be, be, be by yourself out there as well. Now, Alistair, when you stayed there, it was, it was still the hard rock, right? No, it was the countdown. So I stayed there in 
So this March just gone by. So it was the count uh, was the Hard Rock in 2017, but it had become the countdown when I was there in March. So I, st- I did stay in the countdown uh, in 2018. Yeah, and I understand the name was based on the countdown to Morpheus opening, but then they're still calling it the countdown afterwards. Yep, that's so correct. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> Is it counting up now? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> But again, that I mean, that's such an impressive piece of artwork. The way that that's being designed is just, you know, the the guys who are painting the numbers on and cleaning them off again and just repainting them. It's you know, it's an exceptional piece of art, and you could just kind of watch that for for, for hours. Yeah, I agree. I am not. My only city of dreams experience this time is going to be at Morpheus, and I'm I'm looking forward to that because it just seems like a whole other whole other world. So that should be fun. Studio City, Parisian. Sans Cote Central, did you visit these places? Did you stay in these places? Did you eat in these places? Yes. So I've stayed at Studio City twice. So the first time I stayed, I think it was the it was the Star Tower. So the one with the larger, with the you know, the bigger kind of suite type rooms. And the second town in the I think it's the celebrity tower with the with the small rooms looking over over Paris. And it, I, I really enjoyed it as a I think it's a good value property. I think the what you get, because it's so far out on the or it's on the end of the strip, the prices are lower than things slightly more central but the the room quality is is very very good um good places to eat uh what i did a couple of places where do we do there's a well they used to have the was it the house of magic which is the uh, like a magic show so as part of the uh staying in the hotel they gave you it's these vouchers for you know for for entertainment so i did the magic show and uh, dinner at the shanghai magic and that was kind of uh, was a lot of fun and they also have a very good sort of casual it a noodle place, which where is it? It's on my list here. Um, so I think Mian House of Noodles was really good as well. So it's got a, a good little mix. But I very much enjoyed staying at City of Dream uh, at uh, Studio City, and I would think anybody as a value property, that's probably a, a pretty good choice. Parisian didn't stay up, but again, they've got a good breakfast buffet. The buffet is really good uh, for breakfast. One of my favourites, and again, they have. I went to the, the the brasserie upstairs in order to get a cut price ticket for the Eiffel Tower. So you can do they, they were doing offers around, uh, you know, like a combo buy lunch will give you get a free entrance to the the Eiffel Tower. So I think there are a lot of things you can look out for to kind of save money or just sort of. Uh, I think the key thing I think as well, if you have like most of the. Uh, you know, the casino, the, the the loyalty cards there, you get a 10% of 20% discount of certain things. So it's just worth signing up for the Players Club just to get discounts on restaurants because most of the places will, will honor that. That's another way of making your money just go that little bit further. I thought the Parisian was sort of interesting because in a lot of ways, other than the theme, of course, it felt like sort of like an extension of the Venetian. It didn't, I don't even think it had its own casino chips at the time. It was, which I thought was strange. It still doesn't. It still doesn't. It's. It, I don't. I mean, Sheldon spends billions to make this and doesn't provide, you know, a, a chip. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a chip collector. If you haven't figured that out, so it was really. It was really annoying. Multiple trips, visited many hotels, lots of different restaurants. For anybody that's thinking about going, any sort of general advice? You've shared lots of interesting little tidbits here and there, but. Any anything generally that people should consider? Um, oh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, don't visit the the third vending machine on the uh, in the ferry terminal. I mean, I don't know if there's anything like that, but just people love little tips and tricks. So I'm just wondering if there's anything that you came across. The, I mean, the one thing I found very useful being from Britain is that we have again you have the same plug sockets and it's roughly the same voltage we use over here. So if you're a British traveller, then you just you can travel with your plugs as they are. Um, if you have a mobile phone on the 3 network in the UK, it will work out there with the same pricing as you get back home. Very useful because I think it's a, it's a Hong Kong-based company. So again, just get a three pay-as-you-go SIM and you don't need to worry about swapping to a local Chinese one because it will uh, work across there. The Skypeer from Hong Kong or the from Hong Kong International Airport, again, I would definitely recommend using the Skypeer. I've, I've found that just the simplest and easiest way to get backwards and forwards once you kind of get used to it. Uh, but that's very handy. And also just make sure you've got a credit card that, that pulls out of, if you get like a, a Barclay card or a Halifax that has a 0% transfer in the UK, is again, you don't have to pay all the fees about the, you get the actual currency level rather than paying, paying interest. So there are ways, again, to get, the, to get value out of the trip. Use the buses. So the casino buses are really easy to use, reasonably frequently, frequent after about sort of 10, 11 in the morning. So if you want to shuttle your way around different places, you can do that. Also, don't be afraid to use the local public transport. I went out to Kowan 
to uh, the, the local village there and did a little bit of hiking up the mountains using a local bus from the strip to uh, Turkuan village. But in general, it's just, it's very safe. You know, there is, you just don't feel any kind of threat at all out there, I think. So it's a, I think it's a, no matter where you're wandering, it just feels sort of perfectly, perfectly safe, which is, which is a good thing. I think the safety and security thing is important, obviously, and something that I don't know if we've talked about much, but I think it's one of those questions that everybody has about anywhere they travel, right? Like, what is that going to be like? Is it something I need to worry about, you know, being robbed or something worse happening? And I agree with you. All of my Macau experiences, I felt very safe. I never felt like I had to worry about anything, even sort of wandering around on the peninsula in sort of non-tourist areas. I did a lot of walking and I I never had any problems or never felt like I would either. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Hunter. I mean, I I think I walked around some of the SJM joints, say, I don't know, between 2 and 4 a.m. because I was just exploring. And, you know, you can easily get lost in those alleyways, but I never felt uh, any any danger, any threat. And if you can walk around that late at, at night, you know, it kind of tells you what the the, uh, the country is like or the area is like. So uh, I don't think people should feel concerned at all about safety. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, be be smart. Don't don't like you know expose your credit card or whatever. But uh, Compared to a lot of other cities, I, I felt very, very much at ease in Macau. Also, I think, you know, with the credit card, again, it's chip and pin based out there as well. So it's more secure that they will always bring you like a keypad over to put your pin number into there. So I think there's more security again on the on the credit card side of things, which is which is really helpful. Well, so the rest of the world is uh, evolved in this way, right? But the, <laughs> the Americans... Um, we since we have not adopted chip and pin in the US, it's a huge pain, uh, or I should say it's just we're hugely backwards in this way, right? I mean, it's the similar experience that you get as an American when you go to Europe, as they are all chip and pin folks. And so yes, it might be a little bit confusing for people that uh, have never done it. But uh, <laughs> yes, uh, the USA, USA, uh, we're doing we're doing well in that department. <laughs> Wait. Hunter, I can't. Re- I don't even remember. Maybe I was just using cash all the time for like little things. Like, did you use? I mean, did you use your credit card everywhere? And I don't remember like them asking me for a pin. They, the time. yeah, they. So a lot of Americans don't either don't have a pin on their credit card or don't know what it is um, because we don't use it here. That is that is my case. Yeah. Sure. So it's um, it, they, those systems can fall back to just using a traditional signature. It's obviously you know less secure. But uh, since parts of the world, um, like the U.S., still don't have it, I use my credit card a fair amount, never had any trouble, and I also use cash quite a bit. One of the things that I'm curious about, I'll I'll be curious to see, is how much, if any, the uh, adoption of contactless stuff like Apple Pay or Samsung Pay or Google Pay has increased since the last time. I saw it in a few places, but not everywhere. You know, globally, the, the numbers suggest it's becoming more and more popular. I know in, when I was in the UK last time, it was like everywhere. I never had to even think about it. But it'll be interesting to see in Hong Kong and Macau how much that's been adopted. Because I know there's the, the food court in the gal- in Galaxy, you, you can't pay with cash or credit cards. You have to use a contactless or the, you have to use a like a smart card or a smartphone in order to buy anything from, the, you know, the, from that uh, fast food area. And just, just one, I suppose, just a couple of additional things. Uh, MGM Kotai, there were a couple of really good restaurants there. Uh, one which was um, Five Foot Road, which is uh, a Chinese, uh, well, nothing like a northern Chinese uh, food base. And that was really good. I went there for the evening. And also this, uh, so the Ajai, I think it's a Japan, Japanese slash Peruvian restaurant, which is also really good, which is in the atrium. So you get to kind of sit outside in, the, in that big open space. Alistair, did you, did you stay at MGM Kotai? I can't remember now. I didn't. It was just, I think it had only just opened and I was looking at room rates and it just, I think they had only had, you know, there's the basic rooms were open at the moment. So I think there were no kind of suites available, nothing. Because if, if I was going to go there, I'd kind of want to go somewhere bigger rather than just like a standard room. It wasn't worth it because I kind of wanted to go other, other places. So I didn't that time. But uh, next trip, maybe if they've got more room inventory uh, you know, up and running. I'm still on the fence on whether to book that. I know, Hunter, you're out on that. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I was going to do it and I opted out just to to reduce the uh, hotel churn. But I'm curious about it. I mean, I'm definitely going to visit the hotel and 
I am a little bit sad that I'm not staying there, but uh, I'll survive. I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, the, the buildings out there are just spectacular. I mean, that's the thing that I was probably most blown away about, the amount of LED they're using on the buildings, the way everything is consistent, and it just looks incredible. And it just sort of blows you know, Vegas out the water when it comes to kind of displays, you know, light displays on the hotels. So it was just incredible. Alistair, I, I have to ask you a question. I mean, this is just something that I'm uh, I'm thinking through myself. Like, after you've come back from Macau from two trips, I mean, does it enhance or does it detract from your Vegas trips? I mean, what, like, what, what has happened to your Vegas experience post-Macau? Like, you know, like, do you think of it more poorly or do you appreciate it more like what what's your thinking and feeling on that for me they just are just two totally different places it's an oddity that you know although they have you know they're both casino based they're just so alternate universes to the other i mean gambling in macau is serious business and it's all numbers patterns and it's a serious business whereas gambling in vegas is fun and, you know, it's an, an a party. And so that side of things is, is completely opposite ends. You have so much culture in Macau. I mean, if you go from the, you know, from the Armar Temple and just wander through the streets, it's, you know, the whole kind of you know, Portuguese mixture and everything else. It's just a completely different vibe. So I just see them as two totally different places that just happen to have, you know, lots of casinos in them. Anything else we haven't covered? Anything else that we should dive into? I guess uh, the obvious question, are you going to go back? At some point, my aim is really to, well, next step is get a job <laughs> yeah. uh, so I can pay for a trip out there. But I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to get enough Virgin Atlantic miles to get a, you know, a return business trip out there at some point in the future. But I definitely want to go back now. Morpheus is opened. You know, goodness knows what happened with the, the, you know, the new Lis- Lisboa Palace, I think it is. Let's see if, if that will ever open. Uh, but yes, it is definitely a future to go, to go back there at some point. I would, you know, I just, I've had a blast two times. I think, you know, the first time was such an amazing trip that my second trip, I was so apprehensive about it just not living up to the first one. I had a few kind of snafus at the hotel on the, on the first evening. I just thought I've just made a horrible mistake coming back here. But after that, just, it was just incredible again. So I've, I'm like two for two. There's just been two incredible experiences and I just, can't say enough about the place and i can't encourage enough people to go there and visit excellent that's awesome well thank you so much for coming on and talking to us i this is a lot of fun it's always fun to to hear about places you haven't been and for people be really interested yeah it's always it's always good fun talking about i mean i just love i mean you can't shut me up about macau half the time so you know (laughs) we're all in the same boat here yeah. Does anyone in your uh, circle say, hey, Alistair, why don't you stop talking about Macau? I'm just curious because Hunter said that. <laughs> He's experienced that. Yeah. I haven't had that. But again, you just, to a certain extent, you have to stop yourself when you're, you know, if you're in Vegas with people and saying, when I was in Macau, or yep, yep, if this, yep. one, this, this one happened in Macau, if this is Macau, it would be like this, this, and this. So you kind of have to check yourself a little bit and kind of go, just like, no, just leave it. People don't care. It's fine. It's their loss. <laughs> if they're not interested, they're not interested. Indeed. Excellent. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you again so much for coming on, and we really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, Alistair. You're welcome. <laughs>